welcome. Great to, great to see you. Um, I've known Adam for, oh, I reckon he must be nudging 20 years now. Is that probably about right? Yeah. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Just, just under, just under 20 years. I, I know neither of us look <laughs> look young, look old enough to have known each other that length of time. But um, <laughs> um, Adam was um, used to live um, at college in the same college that I lived at um, when we studied to be vicars. Um, Adam's still a vicar, even though I've taken a bit of a break. Um, and Adam, do you want to tell us a little bit about, about yourself and how you got to where you are and what you do and all that sort of I stuff? Took an, I took an unusual journey. Um, I, I'm Irish. You probably guessed by the accent by this stage, but I was in Wales at the time and then went forward for ministry uh, to a college in England. Uh, and we had a Scottish tutor as well, so I had the full full gambit in there. English, Irish and Scottish, all there, yeah. Yeah. When the rugby happened, I was very much on my own as the only Englishman actually living on, on site. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I went back to Wales for four years and I've been back to Ireland now since 2009. Um, and um, I'm in a parish in the northwest of Ireland, in Donegal, which is the most northerly county in the south of Ireland. <laughs> it's somewhat confusing to be north in the south. Yeah. Well, <laughs> a lot of people in the south think Donegal is in the north, and everybody in Donegal thinks um, <laughs> Donegal is somewhere else. But uh, it, we're, we're the county right on the western side of Ireland, next door to Northern Ireland. Um, often forgotten about by by either bit of Ireland but a lovely part of the world but we can't see very much of it at the moment. Well that's a, it, we're in very strange times at the moment but actually one of the things that these strange times is meaning is actually we're doing things like this we're, we're talking to people and learning from each other which I think is really exciting actually in, in one sense Covid has made the world get that little bit that little bit smaller really. Um, Adam so you'll tell us a little bit about what it's like trying to do the kingdom stuff in a, in a rural part of Ireland, when also the majority of the folk, people you're ministering amongst, I guess there's a sort of Catholic majority, isn't there, as well, being a Protestant in a Catholic... Yeah, well, we're an unusual part. We're in... ...dynamics of, of a very different type of ministry. You might remember Ian Pace, he said, Ulster says no. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Northern Ireland only contains six out of nine counties of Ulster. The other three are in the Republic, one of which is in Donegal. So we're in Northern Ireland, and traditionally we have a higher Protestant population up here, anywhere between 15 to 30 or more percent. But we're still not majority. Uh, when COVID hit, uh, the Irish government has been extremely cautious and very nervous about COVID. So has locked us down far more than the UK, and the churches have been locked down for all but about four months. So very early on, I decided we had to do something about this. Mm. So the young lad who went with me on a mission trip to Tanzania, he came and we started off on an iPhone outside the front of the rectory here on Mothering Sunday last year. And we've since progressed to using phones and other mics in uh, one of our other three churches. And now we've moved to the church next to me. And we feel a bit like RTE, which is our version of your BBC. Oh, okay. Um, yeah and we're putting the words in and we have the songs from another vicar friend of mine he does some records them and sends them across um and so on the one hand it's been a huge challenge because i'm i did have a nickname as a techno rector but i didn't have all the technology 
But, yeah. <laughs> that sounds more like the type of music you're into, and I can't really imagine you at a rave with your white gloves doing your... <laughs> well, maybe not. But uh, we, we learned a lot. Uh, and the great thing about it is I'm a very visual, conceptual person. Our church is quite traditional, so we've had a prayer book and so on. Uh, but this has allowed me to use pictures and images and get videos off the internet that I can use to explain and show other concepts about God and about Bible and about Jesus that I couldn't have done without it. Um, on a really good Sunday between our three churches, we might get 75, 80. Mm. We're now getting about that number by one o'clock. Our service goes out at mid midday. And by midweek, we've got anywhere between two and 300 people who've looked in on our service. We have a lot of Roman Catholic people who look in, who probably, because of historical reasons, wouldn't necessarily come into the building. We've had people connecting in from the UK, Canada, Australia, the US, uh, and as random places as Malaysia. And we've had one person who tuned in from Saudi Arabia, would you believe? Oh, wow. <laughs> so it, it, it's been a, a huge learning curve. On one hand, a lot of people haven't been able to reach us because we have a lot of older people. But what we've done for the older people is the same service we make as a video, we're able to record an audio of it. Mm. And through a company in Eastbourne, next to Andy. <laughs> well, uh, it's a little bit further on the coast, but I'm very connected with Eastbourne. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, we are able to put that service up on a telephone line and the older people are able to ring in and listen in. So it's interesting, actually, in, in, in the because actually one of the things that can happen with things like COVID is that some churches have gone, oh, no, and gone into this sort of panic mode almost. But actually what you've done um, and other places have done is they've actually seen this as a as an opportunity. And now actually you're reaching more people. You're being able to um, share stuff differently and enable people to experience different things in worship, which is exciting, too. And um, yeah, and you're even you're you're even impacting, even impacting Eastbourne, which is <laughs> Eastbourne and the United Arab Emirates. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's really that's really exciting. And and so as a because um, interestingly as well, one thing I was going to ask you about in pre-COVID, it's a really interesting parish to be is to how to how to minister locally in a in, in such a different in, in such a different area. And this is again has changed has changed that dynamic. So, so how, how, did, how did you first start when you first became rector? Well, when your... I moved to this part, we have rectors, not vicars in Ireland, just a different time. We have, we have some rectors in the UK. It's, um, yeah, it's a bit interchangeable, rectors and vicars and all that stuff. Um, the guy before me was a real go-ahead guy, but he had a few challenges, and there's still many challenges in the parish. But I had a very good bishop as well. And the year... I arrived in October and then in, in December, we started what's called a year of opportunity, which is really a year of mission. And the bishop wanted each parish to have a team. So I had a team of people, which was called the ministry team, which I've renamed and repurposed as a mission and ministry team. And so we did all sorts of things like alpha and prayer walks and, and other things. We kept going and that was about four years ago now. So we've done a prayer course, we do things that help organise things to the children at Christmas and Easter. So we try and do stuff that is uh, more younger friendly, more engaging, um, because the traditional Church of Ireland was very much out of a prayer book. You all brought your prayer book to church, you followed the prayer book from page one to ten, you sang your hymns and you went home again. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and that's all very nice. But um, especially when you reach things like COVID, unless the prayer book is internal, as in you've, you've taken the prayers to heart, and you realise who God is, it's not very helpful other than being a nice little book to look at. Mm. Um, so what I've tried to do is help people to go a bit deeper. Some have, some haven't. Um, but um, I feel I wouldn't be doing what I'm supposed to be doing if I didn't try. Yeah, my, my dad actually took over a church in, in, in Paul in Dorset that was a, a prayer book stronghold, actually. They were very um, into the prayer book when he, he, they, they they've moved, moved on from that. But um, the problem is people don't seem to have a love of the prayer book. They seem to have a love of the King James Bible. They have a love of tradition. Uh, but the question is, actually, is, do you actually have a love of Jesus? Actually, you know, you can have, it's, you know, almost it's, it's that sort of thing. Of thing. And sometimes people do. It, it, they, can, they, they do coexist sometimes. But actually, it's about people coming to a real and personal faith in Jesus, actually, and saying, actually, you know, this stuff is useful, and if it blesses you, great, but actually, ultimately, it's about Jesus, isn't it, and that, and that, that, that living faith, rather than just... I, I think the prayer book is, is safer, because it doesn't ask anything of you. Yeah. It doesn't ask you to believe in itself by its nature, because it was never designed that way, uh, and it doesn't ask, stretch you as much, perhaps, as yeah. obviously a personal faith would do. Yeah, it's something you just go and say the words and it's, it feels comforting and it's familiar and it's, you know, those things. But actually, the irony was that the prayer book was originally written as a really sort of controversial, powerful sort of book that got burned. And now it's become this sort of <laughs> text that's quoted like Shakespeare. It's very, very odd. I used to have to do a um, prayer book service in my in my curacy church. And um, yeah, <laughs> I always used to sort of, I, could, I always used to find it was always a bit of a challenge to get your mouth down some of the phrases like, was it? full perfect and sufficient sacrifice oblation and satisfaction uh, for the sins yeah. of the whole world and by the end of that sentence i was almost out of breath <laughs> but, um yeah but so you're very much based you're very much got the, the idea of, a, of being a local a local minister but then you're also involved in the national um church in ireland as well do you want to tell us a bit about your your local and your national well i mean at a local level i'm a chaplain to the local convalescent hospital which has been under threatened of closure by the Irish government, they want to put them all into mega big hospitals, which happened in your country and didn't work, and it's not going to work in this country either. Yeah. Um, uh, so I was on a campaign with the local Catholic curate who was heading it up, but we went on marches and we went to visit the Doyle, which is our House of Commons, mm. um, to lobby our TDs, the equivalent of MPs. Uh, but on a national front, uh, I have been since my previous parish in this parish on the Church of Ireland Council Commission. And that encourages the Church of Ireland. You've been to... on it though, haven't you, Adam? You've been... Well, I'm getting there. Um, okay. uh, uh, mission local and global. And for the last nine years, I've been its chairperson. So because I wanted to get a better handle on global mission, I went on a short week trip to uh, Ethiopia and saw the self-help groups. I went and represented the Church of Ireland and the World Council of Churches Mission and Evangelism Conference in Tanzania. And then I went to the Church of England Conference on Mission uh, and was asked to explain to them the simple topic of Brexit and the Irish perspective. <laughs> um, but uh, we are doing our best to put Mission up the agenda, which it has majorly. Mm. We adopted, even though we didn't know it was already there, for us to adopt the five marks of Mission which are teach, tell, transform, treasure, and one more basic one, 
There's five of them anyway. One is proclamation, one is teaching, one is justice, one is poverty, and one is creation. Yeah. Uh, and we do that because it's holistic. It remembers the care for everybody in the world that goes with mission, but mm -hmm. you don't just care for the world and people and forget God either. Mm -hmm. um, Kingdom, and, isn't it? It's caring about the things that God cares about. Yeah. 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 And so I'll be standing down from that soon, which is a shame, but there is a rule on the Church of Ireland that you have, can only serve for nine years. So I've got to stand down soon. Um, but that's been been great. I've been on that group with people from um, the mission agencies that work through and from Ireland. Um, all the dioceses, there are 12 in Ireland, the Church of Ireland College, the Youth Department, um, the Bishop's Appeal, which isn't appeal from bishops to get more money. It's the Church of Ireland way of raising money for things. Uh, you know, Church of Ireland aid, it might have, should be called, but for some reason they can't change the name. Names are, names are interchangeable sometimes, aren't they? <laughs> so so, so what, what would you say from having seen some different countries and been part of the, the, the big picture of talking about mission on, on big church agenda? What, what, would you, what would you say to us as just ordinary Christians who say, actually, I just want to do what I can to see God's kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven, here on here in Bournemouth as it is in heaven, here on Donegal as it is in heaven, here in Eastbourne. I think if you get a chance to go abroad, and especially go abroad and see the church abroad, it's a huge eye-opener. Mm. We don't realise, to use an Irish expression, we're born. We have so many resources and finances, and even if we're a poor church, we have so much more than most African churches have, and yet what they do is amazing. Day-to-day mm. -day and personal faith is amazing, and it's not an "Oh, look at us, aren't we great?" I think we can learn a huge amount from the African churches and African people, and it helps us to put our things into perspective. I mean, I'm reminded of the the kid son who's got the whole world in his hands. Mm. <laughs> our world is often so focused on our little bit, be it Pool or be it Donegal, we mm. can't see beyond that. Mm. And when we step outside that and then come back into our own world it puts things into a bit more perspective and we might get a little glimpse of how God sees things. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. And so if you were talking to yourself now, before you started the whole craziness of vicardom and um, Irish rectordom <laughs> and council of missions and all that sort of stuff, what, what would you, what would you be something you'd say to yourself starting out? Um, if you were able to have a conversation with your younger, with your younger self. I suppose it's picking up on what um, a friend of mine, Jan Horseman, said when I was looking at colleges. Take the opportunities that God gives you. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of the times the day-to-day -day stuff can be tough. Mm. Uh, it can even be boring towards <laughs> challenging. Uh, but when God comes along with an opportunity, it's often very exciting, encouraging. And, and he knows you better than you know yourself. Mm. So he'll get you to do something and you discover something about yourself and help others in the process that you never even considered in the first place. Yeah, often we th often it's that God has a different perspective on us and what he can do through us than we than we think, really. I, I, I like that. Yeah. And, and, and as you've journeyed along, have there been any like Bible verses or scriptures that have really helped shape and um, fashion your your thinking? Well, my spiritual director, who I haven't been in touch with a while, had um, Jeremiah 29. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and give you hope. I still hang on to that because um, there are times when that seems more real and there are times when that seems less real. But 
God is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. And that means that he's still just as dependable. Um, we go up and down like yo-yos. Thankfully, he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> No, and I was going to say, and both of us, I think, probably have had times. Um, I've been Adam and I have been part of a prayer trip with this other guy, Simon, who um I think is going to appear up um on on this this channel fairly soon, or if, if not, he's already appeared, depending on when this, this gets gets broadcast. Um, I've been part of a prayer triplet, and I think it's probably fair to say that all of us have had times where we've been both quite doing well, and also times when it's been really quite hard and it's been quite tough. And actually, I think that is the reality of following Jesus. Sometimes, you know, what, what's what's it? It says in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. So there's been some times when it feels like I'm on, on a mountaintop and other times it feels like it's, it's really hard. And I think that is sometimes the reality. I was reading a Pete Gregg book and there's a, um, a few quotes in it, but one of them, he quotes a Russian proverb. Um, you're, you're on a boat and there's a storm and you're trying to get to the shore. Pray, but keep rowing. <laughs> that's not about that's not a bad adage because so often we sort of we pray and we give up or we pray and we sort of just expect it all to be dropped in our lap but actually sometimes it's pray and just keep walking pray and just keep rowing but yeah i think that's a lot of wisdom in that no, thank, thank you adam and have you got anything else you'd like to say as like a i don't know throwing a like a really controversial phrase at the end or something <laughs> well i'll try just throw in the, the irish and uh, it's normally the irish for hello but i'll use it for a greeting the Irish for hello is dia gwit, uh, which is literally translated and God be with you. That's brilliant. And that's a and that's a great that's a great word to end with. So so thank you. Bless you. Welcome, welcome.